You can roll it. Uh, yeah, I've been taking turmeric. Turmeric. Okay. Have you ever heard of that? Yeah. Uh, I know. I, I know what it is. <laughs> I don't think I quite know how really? to say it. What do you think tur- it is? Turmeric. I see, but it's got an R in there. T U. There's an R in there. Turmeric. Turmeric. But I heard if you take too much of it, it makes you like orange or yeah, look like you got scurvy. I don't think it does at all. <laughs> well, if you like, no, that's that's scurvy. what scurvy is, right? No. You start to like turn yellow, orange. Like, no, I don't think so. I thought I that's know. what like pirates gonna, got. Where's my phone? I'm gonna have to double check and see if do we have? Do you have my phone over there? Toss me my phone. That might be jaundice. I think that's I think right. So? Jaundice. jaundice for sure. Jaundice is yellow for sure. <laughs> I want to say scurvy is like orange. No, though. dude, scurvy is a uh, vi- a vitamin C deficiency. And it gets in, like, I think your gums. Maybe that's what it is. I'm thinking of orange, vitamin C, deficiencies. You were thinking of an orange. Yes, an orange. (laughs) But it's not the color orange. (laughs) So, so yeah, scurvy. (laughs) That's what, like, because those dudes would be on the ships for so long, and then they wouldn't have vitamin C. Mm -hmm. That's also why they would drink... uh, Rum? Or no, that's actually not why they would drink. Which boy, we're throwing out a lot of like, I, I, yeah, inaccurate. Which it's I find it odd. How how do you get scurvy with a lack of vitamin C when you're in the sun all the time on a ship? Whoa! So that I mean, maybe pre- I'm just a bad historian, and but. maybe that was potentially the dumbest thing I've ever heard anybody ever say. <laughs> Vitamin, you get vitamin D. Oh, dude. Oh, man. Wow. Wow. That was so fun for me. I thought you were messing with me. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's uh, funny. So, yeah. <laughs> so, they were, they were, yeah, they don't get it from the sun. Gosh dang it, man. That one got me. Oh. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, they gotta be eaten. I'd, I'd like, I, I would love to believe that I did that on purpose, but when so I was waiting, like I was just looking. For the, you, I'm joking. Yeah, I was looking you dead in no, the eye. Never came. Yeah, I, never happened. The confidence, like you just shoulders back. Just yeah. What's yeah. up, bro? Okay. So yeah. So to clarify, in case anybody's struggling with a bout of scurvy, that is because you don't have enough vitamin C. It's not because you don't. Get in the sun enough. Yeah, what Jared said. <laughs> so, uh, so how we originally got on this is I'm taking turmeric, right? But we were trying, right. to, we were trying to figure out what turmeric actually is. It's a spice, I think, from India. But I put it in my coffee because it's supposed oh, to help okay. with inflammation. Gotcha. Yeah, I don't. The verdict is still out. I think it might help, but if you have too much of it, it makes you orange. Right. Which is not the same thing as scurvy. Yeah, now I know. <laughs> I was doing my best right there. Just don't say anything else. Right. Just f- factually untrue. I'm proud of you. Just- that was so fun for me. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That was a gift. That was an absolute gift. So uh, where, where are you living right now? Uh, I'm living in Olney, Texas right now. O-L-N-E-Y. Just uh, south of Wichita Falls. Down there in Young County. Well, you're not from there? I am from there, yeah. Oh, That's where I grew up. Is that a 940 area code? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. I didn't yeah. know it goes that far out there. Yeah, it goes about as 
far west is like Stonewall County. And Stonewall County, it, it's where it gets split up into like 940, and then you get into like Lubbock's area code. I can't, I forget what they are. Uh, but it gets that far west. Yeah. Huh. I thought you were from like Gainesville. No. That no. is inaccurate. That's, that's, that's getting pretty east in terms of where I'm at. So. Still 940. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So, I mean, it's a, it's a big place. I realized after writing that song, I was like, wow, it, we're a, pretty big portion of texas but uh but yeah yeah totally man so you like born and raised there yeah I, w- I was born in graham texas and then grew up first 18 years in Alney. yeah went to school and everything grew up in graham though uh born in graham, born in graham. grew up in Alney. yeah grew up in Alney. Mm-hmm. yeah heck yeah what's it like up there Probably about the exact same as here. Uh, it, it looks very similar. Things start to flatten out a good deal, getting closer and closer to Alney. It's weird. The town is, is like a go. It's like a midway point between. You start getting to like east of Alney with like Jacksboro. You start getting into this area. You start to see a little bit more like hills. Start to get see some plains action, and then everything east. Take that back. West of Alney is nothing but flat, dry. It starts to look more and more like Lubbock the farther you go west. How, how far south of Wichita Falls is Alney? Like 40 minutes. Maybe oh, 40, pretty, 40, 45 miles. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's yeah, right that's there. That's a pretty good way south of it. I guess it's a good way south. When you grow up there and that's like the nearest city and you grow up making that drive all the time, it feels like. 10, 15 minutes. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Same thing with, like, going to Fort Worth. Wichita Falls is kind of an interesting place. Yeah. It's an it's an odd duck of a town. Uh, it's very odd. Did it feel that way growing up around there? Honestly, like, as a kid, it was or like, I guess oh, you don't really know. We're going to the city. Like, <laughs> Wichita Falls was a big city. Yeah, go get some vitamin up. C. Yeah. <laughs> vitamin C. <laughs> it's where everybody did all, like, Christmas shopping. You know, if you wanted to go get something to eat, that's where you went. You drive the 45 minutes to Wichita. Is there a lot of drugs? Yeah. Really? Yeah. You think, like, more than most places? I mean... I was like, I don't know why I have something in my head about it's kind of methy. I don't... I, I mean, I, I think you can say that. I mean, that's a fair assumption. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I just... I, I don't know if that's, like, a... I feel like they have... I feel like that's a pretty good, like... North Texas stereotype, though, for little little towns like that. Though. No doubt, it's like all over North Texas. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a uh, an epidemic, some might say. Right, but uh, huh? Was but, that? <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna just be like, "You ever done it?" <laughs> no, no, thankfully. Then no. I edited myself. No, I joke around with people all the time, though. They're like, "Yeah, that methyl that'll get after you." I'm always like. You know what? I think I could do it one time, not Dude. get addicted. Like, just try it. I could do it. That was always but. my go-to. If you know, like, if you're like at a party or something with some people you don't really know yet, mm-hmm. and you're trying to just pretty quickly like figure out. I did it when I was younger yeah. a lot, and I there was one time that I joked about it. So we were like all standing outside or something, and I can't remember exactly what we were all talking about. I think like the drug thing came up or something, and then I just was being super sarcastic and i was like man i got i got a bunch of meth in the trunk of my car if you guys want to go do something and there was like one guy i didn't know who he was and he was like kind of standing in our group and he was like bro i'm so down mm-hmm. i was like oh gosh <laughs> <laughs> Easy, buddy so i pretty quickly was like i don't yeah. know if i really want to 
hang around that yeah. day. You know, go out to the truck. I'll go get you something. Just leave. Yeah, yeah. It's like good heavens, bro. Just that quick. I'm down. <laughs> it's just life altering. Yeah, it's like changing the course of your life. Oh my gosh. He's like, I've never done it, but I'm down. Oh, oh. Like, oh. oh so he had never done it. Yeah, but he was down. Like, no, like he j- had just made. It was weird. It's a weird thing to to see somebody just to make that decision. I'm going to alter the course of my life. Wow. Tonight, because this guy I don't know just offered me meth in the trunk of his car. You ever had that? Meth before? in the trunk of a car. No, 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 not actual meth in the trunk of your car. Like that urge to like. Really, just shake things up, like the animal, like animal brain turns on. Like, yeah, what's like? Uh, well, I guess. What do you mean, shake things up? Like, I don't know. Like, I'm not saying go do meth or something, but like, you know, <laughs> find something to get into. Like, there's all those jokes about like the in, don't let the intrusive thoughts win. It's just doing, like, like some. I'm about to sound crazy here, but sometimes like you'll see things or you'll see like a can on a counter and like animal brain will kick in and just be like, I want to punch that off the counter right now or something. Or just, oh. just, you know, but you can't sure, you know, civilized. You got to. So is it sort of like having those quick thoughts of like wanting to like sabotage a moment? Yeah, exactly. Whoa. You ever had that? I actually have. Yeah. I get it. Sometimes when I'm playing on stage. Oh, okay. I've never had that talking, on stage before, but it's fleeting. It's yeah. like, it feels almost like a millisecond thought, mm-hmm. but it's like you're playing and you're like, what if I just took off my guitar and smashed it on the ground and walked off? There you go. <laughs> like, that's a weird thought though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've actually never heard anybody else uh, bring that up. Yeah. 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 I get that sometimes. Talking about doing wild stuff on stage like that. Have you ever heard, there's this rapper named Jaleel. He's like this rapper that's like blown up in the last like six months or so and he like does backflips off of sound towers and like lands on his feet and will just running full sprint stage dives into crowds and i mean doing acrobatics on stage pretty much is that like why he got well i guess you would have to already i think he he had like one of those like viral tiktok songs and just really took off from there what was it uh, I, I couldn't tell you the name of the song. It's one of those I know how it goes, but couldn't tell you the name. Sure, sure. Yeah, but. So he's just a wild man. Yeah, just crazy dude. Huh. Jumping around, jumping into crowds and no one catching him, so it looks like from the videos. but I've only seen you, are you pretty wild on stage? I've only seen you do like the acoustic <sighs> thing. Not really. Uh, I guess I get, my feet get to moving a good bit and I kind of I kind of get lost in the music sometimes and just kind of. Just get after it, uh, but but no, I don't do any like antics. You know, you're not doing backflips. No, 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 I can't do backflips. <laughs> no. Are you? Did you play sports growing up? I played. I guess I did like football, baseball, basketball when I was like young, little league age, getting into junior high. Yeah, and then I played football my freshman year of high school. It was like JV, but uh. We always had, like, coaches coming in and out, like, never, like, hung around too long. And so there was never, like, a culture of winning that was really set. So, I mean, just you lose for so long, and you see people, like, getting hurt and seeing no, like, like reward come out of it. I think right. a lot of us were just like, let's do something else. Yeah. And so that's when I really uh, – I just said, I'm going to play golf the rest of high school and pick around on guitar. And you played to- golf? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, I played golf through high school. and I guess I still do, but yeah. Uh, 
You still do some? Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty regularly. Yeah, really? there'll be times I'll get off of work and uh, oh, after work some days, just go out to the golf course, walk nine holes just after work. Uh, just like where are you working at? Uh, I work in Graham for oh, like okay. a, a like manufacturing company. Yeah, yeah, heck yeah, man. Yeah, you got to in yeah. a lot of ways. Yeah, I just put the speaker in the bag and get to walking. That was the the smart. I mean, I think probably one of the smart smarter things that I ended up doing was. Uh, hopefully that didn't sound egotistical. No, no, I didn't mean for it to sound like that. Um. But just keeping on, like, because I was shoeing horses, and I could make a pretty good living doing that, and doing that while I was chasing the music thing. It, it gave me the ability to make decisions based off of if it was, like, actually right for me as opposed to just for, like, money. Right. Which that's, you know, there's a difference there for sure. And so, like, I was able to take opportunities that maybe didn't pay anything, uh, but they were just better, and then vice versa. Yep. So is that... Kind of what you're thinking, or are you more in the mind frame of, like, I got to do music full-time, whatever that means? Uh, it's, it's one of those where I know I'll get there eventually. Mm-hmm. It's just taking it one step at a time. Yeah. I'm very impatient, and I always like things to happen quicker than they actually do. And so I'm always ready, like, now, now, let's go, 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 let's do it. And it just doesn't always move as – things don't always move as quick as I – want to go but takes uh, time yeah so it's just kind of part of that biden time pay and dues type of deal just i know we'll get there eventually it's just kind of waiting for the right chance to jump yeah there but for sure it's a scary thing though making that the full-time gig and that being the sole like source of income no like I, I think about that a lot and i like the freedom that that presents but the I guess where I'm at right now, just the, you never know if you're going to have a slow month and you'll be busy for the next one or two and then come a month with not a whole lot going on. And I guess just the consistency, that security, I guess, if you will. But uh, uh, it's coming though. I feel it. Mm-hmm. We'll get there. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you got a girlfriend, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that's the other big thing is like, if you're a single dude, and, you know, you can get by just making pretty minimal money. Yep. Like, that's one thing. But then you start throwing, well, for sure, if there's, like, a family involved or different things like that, priorities change a little bit. The biggest thing for me was always songwriting, too, though. It wasn't necessarily performing. Okay. Like, I didn't, I still don't. Just, like, my favorite thing isn't getting up and playing for people. And I don't, and I never really loved playing just, like, a cover gig at a bar for a few hours. Mm-hmm. Never really liked that very much. And so I actually found that I was more creative, a little bit more like, you know, fertile in my mind uh, when I was doing something kind of other than music. Yeah, I I know exactly what you're talking about. You know how a lot of guys who write really great stuff early on in their career and then once they blow up and get really big, uh, they start to lose... You know, maybe if they're if they're a little bit more of that Americana blue collar, mm-hmm. like playing for that demographic, they get a little bit bigger and they kind of lose that that edge to them because I think they just start living this life that yeah. isn't even common to a regular person. So their music starts to feel a little detached. Yeah, start so, getting too comfortable. Yeah, 
you know? Like if you're not waking up at 5 a.m. to go to work mm -hmm. and getting in an argument with somebody in line at the convenience store. And <laughs> right. then, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like those things somehow, I think, subconsciously start to, you know, bring out some ideas mm -hmm. in your mind. If that's the type of music that you're wanting to make. Right. You know? Uh, so that's been a focus of mine is to try to do something, like just keep some normalcy. Mm -hmm. Do you have any other creative outlets outside of music that you do to kind of keep the, I guess, keep keep the creative mind mm. rolling that, you know, there's some days where I don't want to write a, like, I just don't feel like picking up the guitar or want to write a song, and I know I should, but I also want to still be productive and yeah. creative. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, I definitely, I definitely do. I'd be curious to hear some of yours. Like, what are some ways that you get your juices flowing, for lack of better? I write, uh, I guess, a little bit of poetry. I write scripts, like, for, like, screenplays cool. and, like, plays yeah, for the totally. stage. I do that a lot. I was an actor for a long, long time and uh, went to school for that. And so that was another way that I was able to channel the writing creative side when I wasn't writing a song into doing other things like that. Yeah. And so that's also, that's kind of a fun thing that I kind of have to myself that I sit down and do. So shaping and molding a big longer storyline and plot line. Yeah. And narrative. Mm-hmm. Cause that's all that these little songs are. Yeah. You just take that whole thing and you crunch it into three minutes. Absolutely. Yeah. I've got some songs where, they're like seven, eight minute. I've heard it. Yeah. Yeah. There's more. There's others really? too. Yeah. Like What's the Martian one? Cosmic Country. Cosmic yeah. Country. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very much like a McMurtry, yeah. Ray Wiley, Hubbard type of song, kind of long form story. But, uh, uh, and you were so precise with like certain words that you yeah. used and then like tying them mm -hmm. back. You know, you could, uh, I love the idea of a song existing and you could, I don't know what it's called, but like you could draw a line over the top to right. another part of the song and you could do that throughout the whole thing. Mm -hmm. So by the end of it, there's just this huge arching thing of lines yeah. going between it. And that's I, the way that song. I love, I guess I describe it as like an aha moment. Like there's a lot of those in that song kind of starting from the beginning and you get to the end and things come full circle make you go the light bulb goes off the oh, like i see i see what he did yeah. there i see what how that came about but i love creating like moments like that how do you remove your how do you remove yourself from the song to be able to like observe objectively the aha moments man that's a tough one so in other words like if you're writing a song and you're going for the hook where it finally goes oh like it finally lands mm -hmm. and it delivers right the whole song is, verse and chorus is summed up in like one little phrase or yep. two little words. Feels like to me you have to be able to like somehow step back and like become the audience for a second to be able to see how it would hit you mm -hmm. uh, and then stick yourself back in it because obviously you have to edit it yeah. and do it. So I don't know, is that a feeling that yeah, you ever have? absolutely. <clears throat> um, kind of like you said, that editing and not just writing the song from a songwriter's perspective, but also seeing, like, if I'm just a listener, do I follow what's going on, and do I have that, would I be caught 
did this song get me if I didn't write it? And I think you've got to be kind of honest with yourself a lot of times, and that's something I think every songwriter has to learn to be good at. It's kind yeah. of being honest with yourself when when it hits and when it doesn't, and having the wherewithal to go back and work more on it and do that editing. It took me a while to figure out just going back and editing songs after the first write, first rough write was finished, but uh, I guess that's something I'm still working on. But uh, but I know exactly what you're talking about, having to take that step back and analyze it from a, a listener's perspective is necessary. You have to, I think. Do you think that's something people intuitively have or something that can be developed or maybe both? I'm sure some people do have it. It's definitely something I had to work on, especially when I started writing. I didn't have that listener's ear when I was writing. It was just more or less, here's three, four chords, here's your words to it, just getting the words out. Because mm. I think that's where it started for me, was just came from a need to say something and not knowing exactly how to say it, but it would just come out in the form of lyrics. Whether they were very good or not, you know, who knows. But words nonetheless, just getting them on a page. Well, at least you could just get them on the page. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people, that's the biggest battle. Yeah. You know. It was for me for a long time. Uh, you know, I played, I'd been playing guitar since I was in like seventh, eighth grade. And played nothing but like covers, played in like churches and things like that, and never really sat down to write my own stuff until much later. I'd maybe get a line or two and then immediately shut it down because I hated it. Because I think everyone's like their biggest critic in a lot of ways. And I, I think I was just super, super hard on myself starting out and would just never let let it get started before I just chopped its head off. Yep. So. And it took me until, like, my freshman year of college to really just let things happen. And it happened on accident. The first song that I finished that I was like, I don't absolutely hate this, was kind of on accident. It just kind of not wrote itself, but whatever you want to call it, it just kind of happened. But So you're describing it as you, at that moment, you finally just didn't shut it down. You just let it happen. Mm-hmm. Whereas before, earlier on, you would you would stop it before the process even really got started. But is it possible that when you finally allowed it to happen, it was just better? So you did allow it to happen? Like maybe the other ones just weren't very good. I think so. It could be something to that. Uh, but I mean, even a lot of the earlier stuff that I wrote that I look back now, like I'm certainly... I think better now than I was when I started. I think I think everybody can say that, but uh, nah, I don't think so. <sighs> oh yeah, <laughs> I was saying there was a <clears throat> there's some stinkers in my notes and my phone and like voice memos from uh-huh. when I was just getting going. That like they're pretty good. No, dude. Oh, like, they're bad, dude. Yeah, awful. Oh yeah, yeah. that should never see the light of day. So that's what I'm saying. Like in some ways. You know, maybe they just weren't that good, and that's Could why be. you shut them down. Mm-hmm. And then when you did find some stuff that really hits you right, that's a tough one. Yeah. Do you save it? So you saved a lot of that stuff from early on. Yeah, I think I still got it. Do you, I mean, have you used much of it? 
not the super like experimental, like just getting started songwriting stuff. No, uh, there I definitely still I, I think I've released and still play songs live that are from that really early period of like three four years ago when I really started and are still still hold up that are still you know pretty decent songs that people seem to enjoy. So yeah, um, that's kind of fun for me too. You know, knowing that people still appreciate those older, maybe not as, I don't know what the word for it is. I guess that feeling of, I know a lot more now than I did then in terms of writing and just, I don't know. Do you ever feel like the, like the audience can sense that? I think so. I know I can, but. Okay. Uh, like they, they know you got better. Yeah. I, I like to think. The, how, how polished it's become though it almost pulls away from some sincerity at times maybe i'm not talking about you yeah i i know what people in general talking about though for sure uh when it's kind of going back to what you said earlier about you get to a certain level or success and that detachment you can kind of get detached in a lot of ways depending on how things go because i remember my first the first i guess album record whatever you want to call it I mean, it was super, like, low-budget, recorded-in-a-closet type of setup uh, with a friend of mine who had never recorded, like, live. I won't say he didn't record. He, he recorded live guitar before, but he was very much a an indie, like, bedroom pop kind of synth mixed with guitar artist. Oh, cool. I mean, yeah, he we... Best friends, but never um, made the same kind of music. Yeah. <clears throat> but um, and so he helped me record that first uh record in his bedroom in like middle of summer in Oklahoma. Had to turn like the refrigerator and the AC off because you could hear the humming over this little just condenser microphone. And we lived right; he lived right next to a train track. So anytime Ooh, we'd get yeah. a good take, that's a good one. We'd get a good take. The train would roll by, like, in the middle of, like, no a vocal doubt. take or something. Yeah. And so we're sweating, like, nobody's business. And finally, I just told him, I said, just run run the cables to your closet. I'm going to sit in your closet floor, and we're, we're, we're going to get it just done. It's, you know, basic soundproofing with the clothes and all the shoes in there and just finished recording a lot of those songs in a closet floor. And so... I think at the time it was one of those things where I was very, I'm still very proud of it, but looking back and listening to it again over time, it's like, you you can tell at times where it's like, at least I can hear it more than a listener could. Because I hear every flat note, every speeding up, slowing down of a guitar. Like I, I hear all of that in that kind of early project, but, uh, and I know some people would be probably inclined to like delete stuff like that off of streaming services, but I, I think I'll always keep that one around just because I like to see the the growth. Yeah, where where we where we started versus where we're going. So, but but I still kind of play a lot of those songs that are off that first project today. So it's when did you record that? Summer of twenty twenty, I think. Oh, okay. Middle of the pandemic. Yeah, so, so pretty recent, though. Mm-hmm. A couple so, years ago. Yeah. And then you entered 
the song, the LJT songwriter deal, I guess that would have been in 21? Yes. Okay. Yeah, late 21. Because that's how we met. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I, 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 I was in 18, I think. 2018, I, I won it. Okay. And then uh, a couple people in between. Yeah, and then I just met you. I guess it would have been last year, right? Yep. Yeah, it, uh, I remember I was still living in Oklahoma when a friend of mine told me that Larry Joe did the showcase. Yeah. And I was like, oh, well, I, uh, let me look into that. And I looked up all the, like, entry rules for it, and I just, like, it had already happened. I'd missed it by, like, a month or so. I was like, well, okay. I guess we'll we'll see what, we'll enter next year and see what happens. And uh, so I kept that tab open in my phone for, like, a year. Just never closed out of it because I knew I was like, I don't miss this. Make sure you get everything sent in as early as you can. And I think I sent in my video like the first day that submissions opened. And I think Martha or Taylor, Sherry, Sherry Taylor was like, Yeah, I, we, you were one of the first that got in. I was like, Okay, I just wanted to make sure I didn't miss it. So, but, uh, yeah, you didn't miss it. Yo, didn't miss it. So, you didn't miss it. But, but yeah, yeah, they man. loved you. Yeah, it was, uh, I loved I loved it too. Yeah, it was a wild deal. It wasn't man. just them. it was a met a lot of good folks from that. I think it was one of the biggest takeaways. Just the sh- the shows I've played with folks that I've met from the songwriter showcase from then to now has been a really fun thing. Just meet a lot of really other good musicians from that, and a lot of good friendships have no been doubt. made from that. So they try to cultivate. A lot of camaraderie and a lot of like healthy competition because it's always Larry Joe and I and I have talked about it numerous times where it's a little frustrating to make it a competition but like you have to like somebody has to win because it's kind of the nature of the beast but at the end of the day like it's all subjective and there's people that have rolled in there that have won it that just kind of didn't really do anything. They didn't release any music after it. Didn't pursue mm-hmm. anything. Disappeared. There's other people that have won it that ended up making something of it. Uh, and then there's other, you know, people that, you know, didn't even get into it that ended up having a lot of success. Or they lost in the first round and had a lot of success. But, you know, it it may just be a difference in genres and things like that. But it's just music and, like, it's just people's opinion. There's some basic things that, adhere to like kind of all genres in terms of writing songs but it's uh so yeah it's larry jonah i have talked about that before because it's a little frustrating but we want everybody to like stay in touch and just because you know you're in the same round as somebody in lost like you guys might be able to write some tunes together and make some things happen yeah man and that's happened so, so i mean it's i feel like it's they're doing it the right way you know if that's the goal then i think it's Larry and them are succeeding, so yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah, they've gotten a lot, some some. Uh, I don't know people talking poorly about it too because of the female thing. Like, and I hear that a lot now within the music stuff yeah. in the Texas scene, where it's like women don't get as much of a chance or females don't get as much notice. And like, it should be pretty evident now with the internet. Like, if people like it, they like it. Mm-hmm. Like, there's really not any gatekeepers anymore, right? Like, I don't have, I mean, who do I have just doing stuff? I mean, I make music and put it out to people. If people don't like it, they won't listen to yeah. it. <clears throat> and so, like, 
And then even within that songwriter competition, like there's a lot of females that are in it. And like, there's a lot of the judges that are females in that competition. And like the conversations that are had about the music, it's just a little frustrating because like the, the, the Taylors are, you know, really good friends of mine and I just know how much they care. And, uh, and they're just focused on like good music and good songwriting. And if it's good, it's good. Like regardless of your gender. And I thought that was the whole point, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, so that's always kind of frustrated me a little bit. Cause like I've heard the conversations about, you know, like what they say about people's songs and it has nothing to do with whether or not they're a female. I got you. You know, I don't know. That was my little soapbox. Oh, for sure. Cause I mean, that's, that's the side, the whole, I mean, I still don't know a lot about how the judging of that goes on and what gets said. I, yeah, it's pretty, but, uh, uh, like it's, it's, it's pretty specific. Like, like they're they're going like verse by verse, and oh, people wow. have pages of notes, and you know, like they're listening, mm-hmm. and uh, and then at the end of the day, like he doesn't have to do it. Yeah, <laughs> like he doesn't make any money mm-hmm. doing that. It's not any selfish. He's like literally trying to give somebody who doesn't have a platform yeah. a chance to play for some people and like get a little bit of exposure, mm-hmm. <laughs> like a little bit of confidence. Right. So it's weird to knock somebody for like not giving people an opportunity when that's literally the point of why he's right. doing it. I mean, there's always going to be people that are, yeah, I you guess. know, regardless, yeah. you know, have something to say about it. But, I mean, I, I can't tell you how much of a of a blessing, how lucky I am and or was to have, to have even just been a part of it, to just be in the room with uh, with some of those writers. And, Dude, and you had, uh, you had a tough one. Yeah. Like, I want to say I was there for your first round. Pretty sure I was. And it was salty. Mm. Like, dude, they were good. Yeah. And Larry Joe leaned over to me and he was like, hey, you're lucky you weren't in it this year. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, dude. Yeah, no kidding. Oh, man. I was like, you know, it was, it was good, dude. So, congrats. Thank you. Bro. That's incredible. It's been a quick year. Yeah. It's been equally the fastest, one of the fastest and like slowest years of my life. There's yeah. been a lot happen, dude. And you're but. probably recording a lot too. I know I hear your song 940 on 95.9 The Ranch plays it a bunch. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hollinger. Yeah. He, he loves it. Yeah. Sh- Shane was asking about that since the final round of the songwriter deal. He was, he was antsy for it then mm-hmm. and ready to get his hands on it. So, and, and Larry Joe and I made sure that when it got mastered and we got it back that he was the first one that it went to. So yeah, uh, big thanks to Shane and folks at the ranch for spinning that. I know it's, it's kind of gone to the, I know the morning show start started to play it now and Malone plays it, you know, every now and then too. So it's been a, it's been a wild thing to see it play like that. I remember the first time that, uh, do you have people, video in it come on the, coming on the radio yeah i'll see it like on instagram yeah. like friends or you know like friends i haven't seen since like high school yeah. will be like listening to it and they'll like put post it on instagram and things like that so oh there you go yeah it's it's a it's been a neat then thing you can get the messages like when you open for somebody yeah big and they're like hey man think i can get some tickets man <laughs> who knows dude but oh but it's been a neat deal i remember the first time i heard it I heard Shane play it. I was on the way to – I had just gotten off of work. I was on the way to Stephenville, 
and I'd been listening to it all day on my computer and just just waiting and uh, heard it come on and I bawled like a baby. Oh, at, you did at like the Grayford Texas intersection. Yeah, I was man. it was it was a pretty surreal deal. Is but, that uh, is that one of the only moments you've had that? Uh, I think that and after Larry, after LJT was done, yeah. like after the week was done, because okay. I did all seven days. Yeah, you did. Uh, I mean, Sunday is Sunday, made the marathon run of it. And it wasn't until I was on the ride home afterwards that just kind of got the blues from it all. Just Oh, got the blues. Yeah. But with uh, the one in Grayford listening to it on the radio, that wasn't that was like No, that was joy. happy. Well, and the blues from like Larry Joe, that was happy too. It was just a you know I I've I've since learned that like to differ, differentiate like being happy cuz something happened, not sad cuz it's over type of deal. Being say it again? Uh being happy because it happened, but not being sad, sad because it's over. That's hard. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I'm a I'm a real sentimental guy. I yeah. like to hang on. Being to stuff happy because like it happened, and not but not sad because it's over. Mm-hmm. Is that a song? It's a Dr. Seuss quote. Is it really? Could be. Yeah. I mean, I remember I heard it somewhere, and is I it just really Doctor Seuss. I think it it's it's definitely a quote, and I just butchered. I thought we were on to butchered it, but songwriting gold. We were about to write that song. Yeah, but it turns out <laughs> it's Doctor Seuss. Uh, <laughs> happy. Because it happened. I don't know. You sounded pretty. He sounded really confident. It is. About it. It's, it is. It is. Yeah. It is. It is. It is. Smile, smile because it happened. Not because it happened. Okay. One of the, some variation of it. Right. I promise. Sad because it's over. Look at you trying to sneak that stuff in there, you know? Yep. It's, it's Dr. It's Seuss. Dr. Seuss. Don't cry because it's over. Smile because it happened. Okay, yeah. I told you. I think I butchered it. But, uh, yeah, shout Not out really. Dr. I Seuss. I liked yours, man. too. Uh, Dang it. Man, how often does that happen where you, like, you think you have a great hook? I Google it every time because I don't want to go down that road. Yep. Early on, I did it where I'd, like, write the whole song, and then I Dude. Google it. Or one of my friends is like, bro. Yeah, that was in Castaway. Yeah, and I'm like, what? Same thing. Early on, it was that, but it happened a lot more with the the music itself for me and like the way it sounded. Like, mm. I can't tell you how many times yeah. starting out, I would write a song, be done with it, listen back to it, like in my voice memos, and thinking, "This is a Tyler Childers song. What am I doing?" Yeah, like, it's even weirder yeah. when it's somebody that you're like really not that into. Mm-hmm. You know uh, what I mean? Yeah, you're so, like really? Yeah, High School Flats. Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, it, that <laughs> happened a lot early on. I was like, what is... So, I think it took me a second to, like, find my voice. Like, figure out how I wrote and how I made songs or sang songs. But Yeah, because the mind is, you know... I try to write in my head a lot. Ooh, like, yeah. melodies and stuff. I try to just not even pick up my instrument um, in terms of writing. But your mind will just... It kind of regurgitates a lot of stuff mm-hmm. that you've already heard. And it's hard to sift through it and figure out, like, man, where is this from? It sounds so familiar. How does that work for you, writing without picking up your instrument? Because I find a lot of times for me the two go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. But I can maybe get a line or two just in my head and maybe put a melody together. But I 
how, how, how does that work for you? It seems like either I have a very interesting melody or I have a very interesting chordal sort of thing on my instrument. I got you. Uh, and one of those is going to drive kind of like what actually ends up happening in that song. So like if I have the interesting melody, you know, I can put the musical kind of landscape underneath it with my instrument, but I can do that kind of at any time. Mm -hmm. So I actually don't want to get in the way of where the melody wants to go because I'm limited on the instrument. Like there's just muscle memory. I'm very rarely going to play something. So like let's say I'm going through a progression and I need to move to the bridge and I want to make this big, beautiful change. It's like very rarely am I going to just pull some crazy chord out that I've never really played before or make this movement I've never really played before because it's just so mechanical, right? And it's just muscle memory. But your mind will just like run wild on it, you know? So, or if like I get stuck at a part of the song, like let's say I do have the music and I have the melody and I'm moving to that bridge section and I don't know where to go melodically or rhythmically, it's like put the instrument down and just start singing. Okay. And you'll find like this, it'll be like, and you're not because you're not worried about supporting it because you don't know how to play it. Right. And then just go with the melody and then record it and then try to figure out. And you can go by one note, you know, try to figure out what the chord would be to support that melody. I got gotcha. you. And then you'll find yourself um, go moving into some some chords that you're like, whoa, I never would have done that. Yeah. But your mind is what like took you there. Okay. I'll have to try that out. Yeah exercise that yeah because it's like you like you you know you hear a lot of music and it's like kind of the same four Mm -hmm. things and then rhythmically a lot of stuff gets similar right because it's like you only have so many little picking patterns and strumming techniques and stuff that you've learned up to that point uh but your mind will start singing singing in like cadences and rhythms and things that you wouldn't normally play so then it actually takes like practicing it because you're like well i need to play while i sing this but this is kind of weird i've never really done this before And then you like, and then that for me is where it's like, okay, this is starting to become quite unique because uh, it's different. I got you now. You know? I'll have to mess with that because yeah, I, I find myself falling into that. You play the same things over and over, and all of a sudden it's like I'm trying to say, put different songs to just what I've done mm-hmm. and written so many times already. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah. No doubt. I feel like that'd be a good, that's a good way to shake things up. I, I'm going to have to. Take a note. Try that. Take like yeah. one note or one chord. Like, and it just doesn't even matter. Like, sing in the key of G. Like, just sit there and sing. Or sing in the key of E. Right? Mm-hmm. And you'll just start singing melody. And then something will start taking shape, and you kind of chase that down. Right. And then you'll naturally start moving into like a pre-chorus and then a chorus. And then once you like have that little idea of something that you like, uh... Then just start playing underneath it and figuring out what the chords go with it. Mm-hmm. And you'll be like, whoa, I never would have played that. It's so fun. Yeah. It sounds so fun. fun. Yeah, it's like the most fun. Yeah. I love writing songs. It's like my yeah. favorite thing. <laughs> Other than my wife, it's my favorite thing. There you go. My wife and the Bible, two favorite things in the there world. There you go. Writing songs. Oh, man. I love it, dude. But I don't hear a ton of people talk about it that way. I just think everybody's got a little bit different way of doing it. Uh-huh. You know? Well, that's the thing. I like I like hearing how other people kind of go about their writing process because maybe there's something that someone else does that could maybe push me out of my comfort zone to like kind of like you said, find something that you wouldn't normally do 
and find something kind of unique out of that that kind of pushes you uh, to just do something different. Mm-hmm. And so I always enjoy hearing other people's process, how they get to that point. Yeah, it just depends on what you're going for. Yeah. I mean, because there are those moments where somebody's like, man, how about a, you know, we got like a mid-tempo, mid-tempo driving kind of yeah. rock thing. And it's like, okay, yeah, I got that. Like, and then we do that, uh-huh. right? Uh, but, you know, if you are, it's a double-edged sword because sometimes if you're doing stuff a little bit different, a little bit unique, um, just really just different. Yeah. People don't know where to place it, what to do with you. They can't easily describe you because, you know, naturally we just want to, like, associate it with something else. Uh-huh. Oh, he sounds like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you don't have that, it can actually kind of be a double-edged sword at times. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's like kind of just all what you want to do. For me, it's just about doing something a little bit a little bit different. Yeah. And I, you, you strike me as similar. Yeah. I, I, I try to be... I don't even know if my goal is necessarily to do something different, but mm-hmm. I always try to write something that I, as a listener, would enjoy. Like, okay. can I see myself, like, would I jam my own song? Like, <laughs> could, I, could I turn this on, like, willingly when I plug my phone in? Which like, is kind of an odd yeah. thing. Like, and then, and then on the other hand, it's like, are you cool with being able to have to play this song <laughs> Every night yeah. for like the rest of your life. That's another thing that I've recently had to be like, all right, you cool with that though? Yeah. And then if the answer's like, I'd do something here or there to change it, or it's like, okay, well, you know, go back to the drawing board, figure out what you're hung up on. Cause there's probably uh, some low hanging fruit that you know might hit now and then live with a crowd, like they would just really like it. Mm-hmm. But the second that you're 55, and you've got two kids and your wife standing side stage. It's not cute anymore. No, yeah. it's just going to be weird, yeah. man. <laughs> like, no longevity uh-huh. there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> They're just like, huh, that's an odd one. Yeah. Like, I can sing this at 23, but. <laughs> yeah, totally. This is weird for a 60-year-old <laughs> to be singing, you know? Yeah. But. <laughs> but then there's stuff that's just, like, weird, uh, but, like, creatively weird. Yeah. Like, you could still be, like, the weirdo 70-year-old singing it. Right. Yeah. You know. I mean, that's what Ray Wiley Hubbard does. For you know? sure. He's, I think he's one of the masters of that. But. He's a he's a funny one, too. Like, I don't think he actually got most of his big notoriety until, like, quite a bit later in life. Yeah. Wasn't it? I mean, yeah. I could be wrong. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of the same thing. I don't know if age-wise when it happened, but it was kind of the same thing with, like, Chris Knight. He spent his True. his younger years writing for a lot of Nashville guys. And that I did not know. He, he didn't release his first record, his first solo uh, project until he was like 39. Yeah. 39, 40 years old. He put out his self-titled. Uh, I think it's his self-titled. I could be wrong, but yeah. He, he was, and that probably would have like... Nothing on me. It ain't easy being me. It ain't. Uh, it ain't easy being me. Loving a forty-five. Jeez, okay. uh, I just listened to it the other day. Uh, down. The down uh, that's pretty good that? guy. Uh, yeah. Framed is on that record. Yeah, dude. What a freaking stud that guy mm-hmm. is. He's a. He's an. Have you met him? No, never met him. Yeah. But me and my brother saw him. In Albany, Texas, like 
times running wild on me, like July, I think, mid-July. And it was just him acoustic with a lead guitar player. Yeah. Talk about stoic. Dude. Good God. I mean, that was one of those, like, like glued to, to him the whole time. Really? And then an hour and a half goes by, and you're like, oh, it's he's done. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, that was a wild, wild thing to see. Him, just him and a guitar player, real stripped down. That was a neat thing. He don't say much. No, no, <laughs> he doesn't. It was fun because, like, people were, were, like, drinking. It was like a, a small theater, okay. but, like, uh, they had, like, a, a bar off in one of these little side rooms, and you could tell, like, people were drinking, having a good time. and In the it, little bar? Uh, like, they would bring, like, these drinks out into the theater. Okay. And, uh in between songs, you could hear some of the drunk people going, uh, like, like you're the man, Chris, or yeah, like, yeah. you're cool, you're the coolest, Chris, and you could see him kind of, he'd <sighs> work up a, like, a <laughs> small smirk, and then he'd immediately just go into the next yeah, song. <laughs> but Just tune a little bit, <laughs> yeah. and then go into the next song. Because uh, you could tell, he, he was just, he'd give a little smile and not look up at anybody, but. Not going to show teeth. No. Just no. a little. Yeah. Kind of cringe mm-hmm. smile. Thing. Kind of curl a smile <laughs> yeah, out. Yeah. Sure. But he grunted at me one time. Did he really? Yeah, one time. <laughs> That's all I got out of him. Hey, Chris, it's really a big fan. Really great to meet you. He looked up at me and just, huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. man. It's like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> just a grunt. Just a grunt. <laughs> But, yeah, what a stud. There's a guy named Austin Cunning. I think it's Austin Cunningham. You heard of him? And the name's familiar. I think he co-wrote with Chris a lot. Okay. I mean, I say a lot. I don't know. But I think he's – oh, yeah, yeah. Actually, it's one of the, my favorite songs of all time. Is uh, And it's on Chris Knight's newest album. It's called Send It On Down. Yes. What a song, but dude. But look, uh, Leanne Womack uh-huh. cut it first. Yeah. Know? And, like, obviously, if – I had to choose between Chris Knight singing it and Leanne Womack singing it. I'm going to take Leanne Womack. Yeah. And it's even the way that she uh, enunciates Send It On Down mm-hmm. is just the coolest thing ever. But I, I Chris, I think, wrote co-wrote that with Austin. Okay. I could be wrong. But that's one of my favorite songs of all time. Wow. Where it pulls in um, such, like, simple... I don't even know how to describe it. Like observational, very, very, like almost uh, the minutia of life, like simplicity, Mm -hmm. but then has this just incredibly profound thing, like at the end of the chorus where those two like push together. It's just fascinating to listen. And then the melody is unreal. I freaking love that song, dude. I give you chills just thinking about it. Dad used to own the hardware store. Now it and him ain't around no more. Now, it and him, like, yeah. I don't know, uh, sitting sitting on the bleachers at the football field, got a pretty good buzz from a court I just killed. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm a fan of Chris Knight, <laughs> for sure. I love that song. And then Leanne Womack singing it is just unreal. Yeah. Send it on down. That's how she does it. Send it on. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. You know, send it on. Down. Does that little run mm. in it, yeah. So good. Sorry, I just had to get that out. Oh, dude, absolutely. Unbelievable song. Uh, but you never met him, right? Isn't that what you said? I never met him. Yeah. No. Well, my, my, my plan was, 
at LJT because he was supposed to play there. But I think I think something with his voice, he was sick or something and uh. didn't make it. Uh, I don't. I don't know if I would have had the gumption to go up and say hello or shake his hand because I know he's not that kind of kind of guy. My but, grunt, my grunt at you. But my plan was to get my brother because we are huge fans. Yeah. And my plan was to get my brother back in kind of that uh, backstage area behind the awesome stage just to be in the room. Yeah. Just to kind of see him, but he didn't, he ended up you know missing the festival. So yeah. But it is okay. We got to see Cooter Gras play the awesome stage, so oh, that yeah. was pretty neat. Dude. Yeah, totally. So that was another one we were looking forward to. But yeah, mm-hmm. for sure, man. Who, who, who were some of the people you met out there? Uh, man. Now that you ask me, like, who was a really cool one? Where you're sitting there, like, uh, I've had it where I'm like. How am I talking to you right now? Yeah. Like, Park, this- Parker was pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, did you? Well, I guess you were just there every got, day. Got, yeah. Met him briefly. What a nice dude uh, that guy yeah. is. Super humble. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, good dude. It's like engaged, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah he's he's yeah. makes good eye contact. He you really meet, is. Yeah, you meet some people, and they're just distant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, good to meet you. He's an intentional listener. No yeah. Doubt. Yeah, which is cool. Mm-hmm. He's probably had to work on it, you know. Yeah. It's a tough spot so, to be in. So Parker was cool. Uh, Niles uh, of <laughs> yeah. Shaker Hymns. I still can't pronounce his last name. Yeah, man, it's a it's a mouthful. But uh, he knows too. Yeah, but we I hung out with him uh, the night after he played. Hanging out with Niles, he's a he's a good dude too. He's a he good was a time, lot of fun. Man. Yeah, he's a real good time. Uh, yeah, I bet y'all had a blast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Right. Only imagine. Yeah, I think we. It was like three a.m. and we ended up on the awesome stage just singing Jason Isbell songs. Like, oh, late at night. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's cool. Was mm-hmm. everybody already asleep? Or oh what? yeah. Did you go do the fire pit? Like, or you like kind of go bounce around from people's campgrounds? Yeah. And play for them and all yeah. that. Yeah. Just haul around the guitar and check check different fires out. See what yep. was going on. That's kind of where the fun starts, you know. No doubt. Yeah. No doubt. And you just see where it takes mm-hmm. you. Yeah. I haven't done a ton of that, like, ever since I was involved, like, in the LJT stuff, I've been married. So right. You could, you know, probably get in some squirrely situations. Yeah. <laughs> bouncing around. Yeah, you see, I, I guess LJT is one of those things, you can make it whatever experience you want it to be. Yeah, Like, yeah, if you yeah. want to really get into the, the wild side of it, you can certainly seek that out. Uh, yeah, I guess it's kind of like anywhere. Yeah, so, but... But no, it was a. I never got just too off on the off the deep end there. Yeah. Which you know you can get yourself into some hairy situations out there, getting too off the deep end. But no, it is a good time. Yeah. It hit me all seven days. Hit me as soon as Josh Abbott stopped playing on Saturday night. I felt my legs just whoa. just crashed. Yeah. Especially because I mean we went to the pit every single night of the big stage and you know we were doing fine i was like we got to friday saturday i'm like you know what i'm feeling actually great <laughs> things are doing awesome right now yeah. and then as soon as the last note got played at the end of abbott's set just felt the it's like golfing <laughs> with a hangover mm-hmm. you're like four holes in and you're like i feel i feel oddly good 
And then you get to like 10. Yeah. You just, like, it's right after the turn. <laughs> yeah. It's like hole 12. Like had a hot dog. <sighs> You're like, I yeah. need a Pedialyte. Yeah. Bad. Uh, it starts, but it, it doesn't become about golf anymore. It's just make it get to the end. Oh, yeah. no doubt, dude. Just get done with it. How good of a golfer are you? Uh, like, do you have a handicap right now? I don't even know what all that stuff is. I'm really? A, I'm a fairly, like, slightly better than a bogey golfer. I can scratch out some, about half and half pars and bogeys. Yeah, okay. So you're, like, so, probably an eight or something? I'll take your word Nine. for it. But uh, I, I do okay. Yeah. I get by, you know. But you played a lot in high school? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we need golf sometime. Yeah, man. Also, have you played at Red River Station? Up in St. Joe? I have not. I've heard, I've seen a bunch of so, yeah, good folks play The out owner there. of that place, like, we're pretty good buds. And they're, well, it's him and his wife. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're about as cool as they come. Yeah. And uh, we play up there at Turtle Hill, like in Munster. Okay. Sometimes. Yeah. So, sometime I go up there and play, we need to, you can go up there and meet him. Yeah. He, would, he would like you, too. He'd like your music, too. Uh-huh. Like, he's a big Ray Wiley, huge Robert Earl Keane fan. Right. Uh, he just had Robert Earl play up there too. Oh wow! Yeah, really? Yeah, like I'm a have private type no, of deal, no, no, no. or like they did a ticketed deal. Oh wow! Yeah, it was a big deal because like COVID for them was a game changer. I bet because uh, most all your big venues in the cities couldn't have anything. Mm-hmm. But I mean, they're in St. Joe, Texas, mm-hmm. so they just kept it rolling. <laughs> well, I mean, that's kind of like what Buck talked about when he did Family Christmas in 2020. Yeah, how he was like the th- like. Some like one of the largest music festivals happening in the country at that time, yeah. And for for like Stephenville, Texas, at the week before Christmas, totally. that's a hearing him tell that story is a pretty neat. They do that like deal. outside, don't they? The I I can't speak for years past, but this past year, it was the Saturday night. The last night was done outside. Oh, okay. Every other night was done indoors. Yeah, I should. He texts me every year about that, but there's usually something that happens Mm -hmm. or we can't do it or something like that. I'm out of town a lot, like during December. Are you doing it this year? Have you? I think so. Yeah, Yeah. I should. I should go do it. I'll probably go do it too. It'd be super fun. Yeah, it's a good time. I Buck described it the best as like, like offices have their like Christmas party at the end of every year, and like musicians don't really get to have their office Christmas party. Oh, so yeah, so it's funny. it's it's a nice yeah. little kind of get together yeah, for Christmas party for everyone. Yeah, yeah so. something tells me the musician office Christmas party is a little different. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I get, yeah. <laughs> Actually, I don't know, man. I've heard some like company Christmas parties can get pretty wild. Yeah, yeah, I bet. I'm sure they need it. You know, <laughs> I've played at some of them. Yeah, those little private like Christmas. You're like daggum. Uh huh. These people are letting some stuff loose yeah. right now. Uh, have you done a bunch of private gigs yet? Uh, I guess a fair amount. Yeah. yeah. Like the house parties mm-hmm. and stuff like that. My favorite things to play are like when I was in college, when I was just starting out, uh, was like playing garage parties or like, ha- like basement house shows. Heck yeah. Those were my favorite. Cause Norman, Oklahoma, it was, I, I always thought for Oklahoma, it would be a pretty good red dirt, like. Did Sing. you go to OU? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, gr- oh, I okay. graduated uh, last year. Really? 21. Oh, so, right. uh, But it's very much like a, 
all of the like jazz and classical musicians from the university find places to play around Norman. Whoa. And like there's it's a big like indie indie scene Norm? kind of. Yeah. What do all the fraternities and sororities do? Uh because I can't imagine that they're problematic super things. Into jazz. Uh, it was ne- I never played at the frat or sorority houses. You I'd- weren't in a fraternity. No, <laughs> no. Just kidding. Was not a fan. You look like a, kind of look like a frat guy. Do I really? Yeah, man. Yeah, I've never been told that before. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you look at me. I look like the freaking frat guy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but no, no, uh, you do have like the chain. Oh yeah, I've I'll- got hemp. There you go. <laughs> I'm an artiste. Yeah. You're the frat guy. I'm the artiste. Uh, okay. <laughs> we'll take it. But uh, now I always played at like just random house parties wherever I could find a place to play. And I would always play before like these indie rock bands. And I could tell the people who were there to listen to music were not, didn't know what was coming. Okay. And you play a song like Cosmic Country or, oh, or like a two stepping yeah. song to a uh-huh. bunch of like hipster jazz majors whoa uh it, it's a trip uh but i didn't know that about norman at all it's i call norman the austin of oklahoma really yeah it's kind of got that odd so weird vibe to it how weird because like if you go to tech like texas tech mm-hmm. or even out at ut i mean they're still into kind of like country music mm-hmm. and stuff of course, Stillwater is still very much a red yeah. dirt, you know, Texas country type. Norman's just not into it. Not really. Whoa. I mean, it's not the. That's not the focal point. We should change that. Yeah. Shout out to Norman. Yeah, shout out to Norman. Bring up some. Uh, oh, you some acts up there. Why well, don't why? So there's no real shows there, or is it just bigger? The closest shows for that for this kind of scene that you really get would be. They have the Oklahoma City Zoo Amphitheater, and people like Co has played there. Oh, okay. So, like, bigger acts like that will roll through Oklahoma City. If you're going to go see anyone anywhere, it's usually Stillwater or OKC. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess OKC is just so close to Norman. Yeah, it's like 20 minutes up yeah, the up by 35. Yeah, there's so. a lot of stuff in OKC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I guess that takes care of that. But yeah. it does seem odd that there's not like college bar hangout kind of things. There is those. I mean, it's like any other college town. They've got that kind of. But like College Station? Dude, they got oh, stuff yeah. going all the time. You know, like even yeah. the tap where it's like a smaller venue. But right. They still pack that place out. Yeah, there's, there's a one place kind of just off campus in Norman called The Deli. They do music just about every night of the week. Um, and it's one of those you never know what you're going to get that night. It could be like uh, a, a three-piece honky-tonk, like steel guitar, fiddle, guitar, country act. It could be a hosty who's a one-man band who wrote Oklahoma Breakdown. What's his name? Hosty. Uh, that's his, like, what he go, his artist name, what he goes by. I think yeah. it's his last name. His name is Hosty. He wrote Oklahoma Breakdown, and Stoney covered it Yeah. some years later. And then he's just a Norman guy. Uh, and he still plays pretty local around like the Oklahoma City, more Norman area. But in things like that, there could be like a jazz trio roll through from the school that yeah. plays there on night. So it's kind of an eclectic pick when it comes to music there. But uh, which is cool. Yeah, like I like that. absolutely. I always felt kind of like the odd man out though in a lot of situations though. How funny. Yeah, 
but uh especially if i roll through looking like this and everyone's got like skinny like skinny a, jeans on like a frat guy. yeah or like coffee shop vibes hardcore like beanies and like thick rim glasses and Whoa. like skinny jeans it is and, austin yeah it's yeah yeah the austin of oklahoma mm-hmm. which like i don't mind some of that no definitely very cool people <laughs> there's definitely elements of it that i do not like yeah <laughs> i saw a video i think of it was like on twitter the other day of just it was like a high speed like time lapse of austin morning traffic from like 5 a.m to noon oh no and just how like it looks worse than dallas yeah it's terrible i think just because dallas was built for that kind of traffic and Austin was never built for this influx yeah, of people. Yeah, I don't know, man. Have you, you know that William Clark Green song, They're Turning Austin Into L.A.? Yeah. Uh, it's on, uh, what the heck is the name of that song? Old Fashioned. There you I go. I love that tune. Um, but, yeah, that's pretty much what's going on, mm-hmm. which is a little, it was a bummer. I don't, I, I like people from other parts of the country and the world. I don't got any problem with them. It's my only confusion is when you move to a place and you just want to bring all of the stuff that you left. It's like there's a reason you're moving here, mm-hmm. right? Like why don't you embrace some of the things that you're moving towards? Yep. Cuz there's a reason you're leaving all of that other stuff. Mm-hmm. But then they just turn Austin into LA. Like mm-hmm. you just turn it into what you left, which is a little disappointing. I don't hate all of that. Yeah. But there's parts of it that I'm like, well, haven't you made the connection that there's a reason you're leaving? Yeah. It's happening in Dallas, happening in Fort Worth. Dude. Everywhere. Dallas for sure. I remember I opened up for a band in Plano, <clears throat> and I I was just going, it was maybe like a 30, 45-minute opening set, you know, play your best songs, call it a night type of deal, and played kind of my stuff that I knew would, it usually gets kind of the crowd into it. They kind of, you know, get their feet tapping, and it was very much like the white-collar crowd. Like, I was like, ooh, they are not. That's perfect Like, they, they are not vibing <laughs> with this They at didn't all. get it. Yeah. They did not. Did like, you just power through? Yeah, had to. Oh, what a feeling. Uh, I played, I've got a song called uh, I'm a Pacifist, and it's like a fighting song, mm-hmm. uh, and it's a good, like, you learn the words super quick, and the, it's kind of a good sing-along. Like, the crowd can get into it, and people were just not about it. Ugh. Especially because, like, there's a good story that goes with the song, and I was like, I was like we're going to win them over. This is the one that does it. it didn't happen. No, it was just like, oh, like golf claps. Demoralizing. At the end, I was like, I was like, oh. Do you ever you you hear do you follow like stand up comedy much at all? Yeah, dude. You just yeah, like you hear guys talking about bombing. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that I, was a, that was a bombing. Night. I know, I, I dude, I've had it too. <laughs> oh gosh, just some brutal ones or just bad gigs. Uh-huh. <laughs> you get there and you know it's gonna be bad. <laughs> and I just I don't I wonder what is worse, bombing as a comedian or bombing as a musician. I've always wondered. Because they are, it's a different type of bombing. I almost want to say comedy. Because, like, I've always wondered how, like, musicians can, like, just ditch the guitar and just go straight microphone. Like, kind of what Parker does. Yeah. He, 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 there's just songs where it's just him and the microphone and doing crowd work. Yeah. And it's like, I feel naked without the guitar in my no hands. Doubt. And part of me thinks, like, those comedians, it's just you. 
You're not. You can't even hide behind a song. Oh, okay. You, yeah. Like. Yeah, but they have their own little ways of hiding. They hide behind little quick like things that they just try to say yeah. and just get a quick laugh. Uh-huh. It's not really a joke. Uh, I, I would agree with you. I think it's more raw. Yeah. Because especially if you have a band, you can totally hide behind a band. Yeah. And you just jam and you have other people to interact with. Now, acoustic by yourself could get pretty. Yeah. But then again, you do have the song to hide behind. Like at least, at least you're doing something mm-hmm. for like three or four minutes and you just have that few seconds after that you bomb, you just go into another song. Yep. If you're bombing, telling jokes. That's a long night. <laughs> I want to do it at some point. I want to do stand up. Yeah. I mean, just purely for the experience. Yeah. Because uh, gosh, I, cause I, I used to have like horrible stage fright playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I still get pretty anxious, but but like telling jokes and doing that is a whole other. Who's your like? Who's like some of your favorite comedians? Well, there's a new guy named Nate Bargatze. Nate Bargatze, yeah, is so funny. It it feels like comedy went through like what I guess in like the '90s or something when you had a lot of this like really flamboyant like extreme humor uh-huh. the, or. Uh, what do they call it? Like physical humor. Yeah. It's like they're going to throw like throw themselves down on the Very floor. Very animated. Or like yeah. Jim Carrey kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some of it just got like, and then they did like kind of pulled back maybe. Uh, and you got like way more of the reserved, like super smart comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it moved into this thing, maybe with our generation or a little bit older than us, where it was all about just like how like crude and nasty, mm-hmm. like sexual or mean yep. you could be. Where it's like, a lot of those still weren't even really jokes. Yeah. It was just like you're just you're just going for shock value. Right. That's not really actually comedy. Mm-hmm. Which what whatever to each their own. But I just wasn't into it that much. Right. And now there's some guys that like they're totally clean and like right. they don't curse, so they don't take the low hanging fruit, right? Uh-huh. Uh huh. And they like set up actual like stories and jokes that are just funny. Yeah. And it's like, and I like that, you know, because it's all it's it feels. Um, it feels harder to do that, you know? Like, some of these other guys, you just, like, drop an F-bomb somewhere, and people yeah. are going to go, oh, ha, ha. It's like, well, that wasn't a joke. Yeah. You're just going for, you know, shock value. Yeah. So, Nate Bargatze, there's another kid named Dusty Slay. Dusty Slay is great, he too, rips, dude. dude. We saw him in, uh, like, over by Plano. Oh, okay. Probably a couple of years ago now. It was, like, right on the front end of COVID. Yeah. And he just ripped, dude. Was, we have a good time, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're having a good time. Yeah, we're having, we're a, having good time. a good time. I yeah. stole that for a little bit. <laughs> Did you really? Live, like playing at shows. Uh-huh. How are we doing? Well, we're having a good time. Uh-huh. I can't really ask. Can't risk it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so funny, man. Uh, so him, and then I, I have always been like a huge Bill Burr fan. Okay, yeah. I mean, it's just the rage. Yeah. Like, it does. <laughs> it does. It's pretty funny. Yeah. And he makes some really funny observations as well. Uh, what about you? A big Theo Vaughn guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, how, sure. he, just a lot of times he's not even trying to make a joke, but just the stuff he said, the stuff that is just him that yeah. he says, uh-huh. just how he thinks of half the stuff that comes out of his mouth. Is the way just, he describes things. He, that he's, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> he's like the king of similes. Yes. It's like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, and then you're. How did you think of that? Uh-huh. And, the, and like, that's the thing. Like, his stand up is like, 
is is completely different than like what he does on podcasts and stuff. And I like him more in like a podcast setting, yeah. just because he can, it's not super rehearsed, and he's already just naturally funny uh-huh. on his own. Agreed, n- unscripted. Yep. And he's one of my favorites to watch. Well, so Chris D'Elia was the same way. Yeah. Like I, I mean, I he had that he had a couple bits in like his actual stand up routine yeah. that I liked. But other than that, him off the cuff, mm-hmm. like his crowd work yeah. and stuff was always the funniest. <laughs> <laughs> He's just better off the cuff. Yeah. Which, Absolutely. I, I don't know. That's like a whole other, that's a very weird world. Mm-hmm. The comedy world, that's a different beast. Yeah, dude. Very different than music. I haven't really been around it much, but it sounds I haven't like either. the way that they describe it, it's yeah. very odd. Uh, but they, they do all seem to... They probably actually have more of like a community than the music thing. I imagine just because there's less people okay. probably doing it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, probably right. I can imagine there's just a lot less people trying to do stand-up right now than there is everyone trying to make it in music. Boy. It's just so so much less saturated. And so I think you almost have to have that community being that small. That's Because you can't afford not to. Yeah, that's you need good. Everyone needs to be helping each other in a industry that concentrated and small and niche that feel like it's a necessity. I I think, uh, once again, just a double-edged sword, like with the music thing, like Spotify has done more for me than most stuff. Right. And, um, I mean, it's gotten my music out to millions and millions of people. And, you know, they put your little monthly listeners right there on the front page. Mm-hmm. And, like, when you're booking a show or whatever, you know, you could say, I have X amount of monthly listeners. So, cool. It's, like, a great, easy way of representing this, how many people right. are. But then it starts getting into that territory of, like, everybody's looking at each other's monthly listeners. You're looking at your own monthly listeners. Yeah. And, and everybody starts gauging. You start. I, it starts being treated like a competition. Yeah. And it's just, like, that's not the... And I guess it's not that much different than when you had a number one hit on radio. You know? Right. But we're so, it's so real time mm-hmm. that like, I don't know, pre-internet, you could all be at a show together and you didn't know that one of you was going to have the number one. Yep. You didn't know somebody's song went viral that day on TikTok. Mm-hmm. And like, now it's so real time. I think it's starting to cultivate a, an unhealthy competition. Yeah. Yep. Because you start, everybody's comparing each other. Absolutely. I don't know really how to get away from that. I, I don't really think you can. No, well, it's it's part of the game that's not fun. It's not a fun part of the game that you have to play. But it's just, I try myself. I mean, I feel like everyone wants to not be that guy that looks at the listeners or looks at streams. But, you know, it's hard not to. No, you know, no. it, it's a lot of times that's how we're gauging how our work is doing, you know, after it's been published. That's kind yeah. of a, a standard now is checking numbers like that. And, you know, I guess I, I try to do my best not to give too much into that, you know, just take things as they come and surround yourself with other musicians that you can be good friends with, but also create good art with as well. You know, I think everyone finds those circles that 
try to build each other up. And it's it's kind of like with the whole comedy deal. As, as much as a saturated business as this is, we still, I feel like we still can't afford to not be building each other up mm-hmm. or trying to help each other out when we can. Because everyone's taken this risk to do music anyways, to try and enter this industry. It's a hard thing. It's a, it's a monster, but... And so you need positive, I don't, I don't know what the word quite is, but reinforcement, I guess you could say, between peers, between your other musicians, that it's so much nicer when you have that, mm-hmm. that camaraderie. And kind of going back to the whole Larry Joe deal, that's a good place where that gets cultivated. And... That I guess that's for for me what I try to keep around. Just keep that good, positive people around you that you can help. They can help you, and you're also still really good friends at the same time doing it. Being able to have that healthy balance of what we consider work and life together, and making it work is a super important thing. I feel, but this might be too pointed of a question. I don't know. Do you ever fall into, like, the comparison game or, like, get sucked a little bit into where you, like, see somebody else having some success and you're just like, man, really? How is that guy? Truthfully, yeah. I think I have fallen into that trap before. I, 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 at the same time, I have to remind myself that that doesn't do me any good Mm. comparing I mean, I might spend a second or two on that, but ultimately it's like I worry about yourself, what you're doing. I feel like if I try and put my mind into what I can control Beautiful. and just put put my stock into what is in my hands and just – because everyone's path is different in this game. There's no one way to do this, especially in the streaming age. There's no one way – to make it anymore, you know? No one's having to cut... I don't even know what making it is. Yeah, I, that's the thing. I think everyone's definition is different of yeah, what that is. It used to be like you got a gold record. Yeah. And then you could hold it up. I got a number one. Mm-hmm. They're like, I made it. And so everyone's gauge of what making it is or what success is is just so different and can be different for different people. But, uh, yeah, I feel like the whole comparison, it's a natural thing. You, I think it, it just happens. You can't help but get that from time to time, but uh, you also can't fault yourself for having that feeling too. How do you, uh, well, like, how do you get out of it? Because I've observed some people that, like, they get consumed by it. Yeah. I don't know. I guess a lot of it, that's a great question. How do you get out of it? I guess I maybe just be better about letting things roll off my shoulders, you know, just if it's not that important, then just don't give it the time of day. I know that's easier said than done, Mm -hmm. but I guess in my head, it just makes sense. Like that's out of your control. You're, you're not them. I guess it's just telling yourself the realities of things. Like you're not them. You're not doing what they're doing. You are you doing what you're doing, making your songs on your path, doing this, kind of going back to do what you can control, you know, 
I mean, do you think that's something that like were, were your parents kind of like that, or people around you, or where do you think that you developed? That's a great question too. Um, I know my folks for sure. They've been very supportive, uh, especially when I was when I was in school and doing the whole acting thing for a while. I mean, I know for a lot of parents that's a scary thing to, you know. <laughs> I I haven't chosen the most, you know, uh, money-making of businesses, you know, you or career say. endeavors <laughs> yeah, starting out. So, um, but they've been nothing but supportive and backed me 100%. And I think, there's a, there's a peace of mind in that, knowing that regardless of what you think about where you're at, whether it's my folks or really good friends or other artists that, you know, that you're close to, I think just knowing that other people have your back and want to see you do well allows me to get out of my head too. Knowing that you're not at this alone. You've got people that you can lean on. Huh. And I think having those people to lean on when you're having those thoughts and you may need that reassurance there, uh, I think helps me a lot getting out of it, you know. So I guess in short, a lot of it doesn't come from me. It comes from other sources, other people, I oh, think. Okay. Yeah. But when I can't do it on my own, I guess I should say. Yeah. So, yeah. Is that like... How how were you raised? Like what what did your parents do for a living? So my mother is an elementary school teacher. She teaches really whatever the district tells her to teach that year. But oh, right. she taught kindergarten and third grade primarily all through when I was in school growing up. And my dad, Alney's a big, I say pig. It's not big. It's maybe three thousand people at its biggest, but it's a it's an industry factory town like at the at noon when everyone comes into town to work you maybe see a population jump of maybe a thousand more people 1500 more people coming into town to work there's a big aluminum extruder and then there's the uh, air tractor plant where they build the crop dusters outside of Alney so it's a I guess you get out this direction in kind of the Weatherford area. It's more of like a cowboy ranch kind of culture and lifestyle, whereas where we're at, it's more of a farming and industrial type of place. And so my dad worked in that aluminum, like, extruding plant. So, I mean, it's, you know, not easy work by any means, but... It was just one of those deals of I was very lucky to have two parents that they, I guess they were very much the embodiment of whatever you're wanting to do, whatever you want to do when you get to that stage, go for it. Chase after whatever that is. That's cool. Yeah, I, I mean, very lucky, like I said, to have that kind of backing like that, but that's not like a super stereotypical small town type of vibe. Yeah. Uh, 
I think, too, it was one of those deals where they they wanted me to chase after what I wanted to do, but also I was learning how to do the whole acting thing, the business of it, music and the business of it at the same time that they're doing it. Like, they, they didn't know anything about that stuff. I also didn't. So we were kind of learning the same things of what I was interested in and what I wanted to do at the same time. Mm-hmm. I think my dad still is to an extent. Uh, my, uh, my dad is like my de facto like merch guy. Like he's always wheeling and dealing like, like sending me texts. Hey, I found these folks out of so-and-so that have hats at this price, this, that, or the other, or, Hey, we can get shirts from these people. Like That's he's pretty cool, man. Yeah. It's yeah. and and, it's very easy for me, like, in the moment to be like, oh, my gosh, Dad, Dad, what do we do? Hey, just let's get it done. Yeah. But at the same time, knowing that he's that, like, about it and invested in, like, trying to find the best thing for us awesome. is, it's a, yeah, it's a blessing. No doubt. So, uh, and don't ever let anybody, yeah. like, make you feel bad about that. Yeah, no, no, absolutely It'll not. happen. Yeah. Seriously. Like, oh, whoa. If I had, you know, somebody helping me, yeah. or if I, you'll hear it. Yeah. And it's not even like, and I could see how people could be that way. It's like, well, don't get it twisted. I mean, we didn't come from money no, I get by it. any means. I get it's it. just. But people will find every little thing. They'll try and pick it apart. And every little thing that they can. Find whatever hole they can get into. Because yeah. they just want to find a reason that they're not having the success that they feel like they deserve. Right. So the only, I mean, it's like elementary school type stuff. Mm-hmm. What my mom used to tell me. Like they. You know, they want to drag you down, you know, because they're jealous of you, right? Granted, every mom tells their kid that. Right. Uh, and it's not that you're so much greater than anybody else. But, like, typically, there's it's it's rare to find people around you that can just genuinely be happy for you, mm-hmm. regardless of, like, what's going on with them. Uh, and that's the way you, you strike me, like a very genuine, happy person. Like, you're happy for people. Uh, I could tell when you were in the songwriter competition. Like, I observed some of the different people, the way they act. I watch everybody when, like, the uh, on every round, like, when they win or when they announce the winners mm-hmm. and the losers. I don't even – I just watch, like, all the contestants, you know, and I see, like, I just watch the reaction. Yeah. Shows a lot about, like, who they are as a person, you know, the ones that just deuce out, mm-hmm. pissed off, and then the ones that, like, are just happy yeah. for other people. And it's tough, mm-hmm. but you can see it. Happened right before your eyes, you know. And that's the way you always struck me, you know, regardless of what, uh, just like, I mean, you spent like seven days out there just listening Mm -hmm. to everybody and a lot of different types of music and maybe not even music that you particularly liked, Mm -hmm. but you could find something in it that you did like. Absolutely. And and that's cool. That's a great way of living life. Yeah, man. I tried to make sure, especially for the songwriter deal, I missed all but one week. I think I tried to make it every week to see every round. Oh, yeah, Uh, yeah, yeah. uh, Just for the sake of, getting to meet people, mm-hmm. you know, never knowing who was going to be there, who you might be able to shake hands with, say hello to, and all that good stuff. But I think that was the biggest thing for me. If I had just gone for my round or the rounds that I was there, I don't think I would have gotten that. But just running into the people who who were also there every week and meeting the people who were there my week and the weeks that were there in, like, the semifinal and final round, it was just – I think that was the biggest thing. It's not just having that one time – to really get to know someone and meet someone, but having those extra weeks to mm-hmm. get to know folks even more and more was a lot of the fun for me. 
No doubt, dude. But yeah, yeah. So, what are you recording right now? Or like, uh, how, you just you just put out the nine four zero, right? Um, I know Larry and I are trying to talk about when dates make sense to get back into the studio mm-hmm. and get some more stuff done. If I had it my way, I would like to go in and just get three, four, five scratch vocal guitars down mm-hmm. and just whenever we can get to working on them at whatever pace that is, awesome. Uh, I, I mean, I've got... I've, I, I told Larry, I said, I'm sitting on, like... I like we got. I'm, I've got stuff on deck. I'm ready to have out sure. that I've I've have been ready to have out for a year or two now. Mm-hmm. That I've um I, that basically all but produced on the computer in my head. I mean, I've got the whatever I've got to give to people to get the ball rolling. It's like, well, here if you, okay. I've got the ideas, it's all there. It's yeah. just a matter of laying it down yeah. and getting it tracked now. So okay. Uh, so is there is there any other songs in the queue that are going to come out soon or? Um, I think next, of course, this is all subject to change. I think about this a lot, about what's next, and the songs change a lot. Uh, I think this pacifist song, this, like, good old-fashioned, like, it's very much like a, I always say, like, when I play it, like, the spirit of, like, Johnny Paycheck and Jerry Jeff Walker (laughs) wrote this song for me. But uh, it's kind of just like a fighting song. And then also a story. It's very, it's very like an autobiographical song. Tells like talking about the family and stuff. And then at some point, I'd like to get Cosmic Country and Ain't No Cowboy. Yeah, out as well. Ain't the, No Cowboy is a really good one. I that's one of my favorites to play. It's I cool. really enjoy that it's one. Cool. It's kind of the that one actually stood out to me the most. Yeah, because yeah. I always tell people it's not an anti-cowboy song. It's just a no. it's just a song for the. Not cowboys. It's I guess. more realistic. Yeah, man. everybody ain't a cowboy. Yeah, because I mean, you hear all the songs. Like, I hear all these bands play songs about being a cowboy. I'm like, you're, you're in a club in Nashville right now, like, in a big house. Like, you're not. I mean, and I'm no authority on what's cowboy and what's not, <laughs> especially listening to previous episodes and listening to, uh, folks like like Buster. Oh right, and. Yeah. Listening to stories that Carson told about like rodeoing, I'm like, I'm like, man, all that sounds really cool, man. I can't relate yeah. though. <laughs> How dope but, is that story? Oh, about him going and uh, calf roping at that rodeo he played at. I know, dude. dude. Oh, what a stud. Oh, that's so fun. But, but yeah. So yeah. it's it's one of those. It's like, well, I can't relate super well to those songs. So write one you can relate to. I know, you know? man. It's more honest. Yeah. Ironically, like that your song. Uh, like most cowboy people would probably dig that more than uh-huh. somebody singing about freaking riding the range right. or whatever, you know? Yeah. It's more realistic. When honestly. I, when I wrote that song, uh, I played it for the first time in Throckmorton, Texas. I mean, and it is a small, like six man football type of town that tiny. And it, they got a lot of wind farms out there. And so there's people from all over the country come and work on those windmills and I played Ain't No Cowboy for the first time that night and maybe to a crowd of like six or seven people very slow night and uh these two upstate New Yorkers that had come to work on these windmills decided they wanted to do the whole cowboy get up for the night 
I mean, had on oh, the no. had the boot barn like six, Ooh. like four or five inch riding heels on. Shout out to boot barn. Shout out to boot barn. Uh, they had uh, just the just these ugly pearl snaps oh. on, and of course, what looked like palm leaf like hats on, not even straw, just uh, palm leaf, uh. and and so I I got to telling like how I came <laughs> about to write the song, and they were like, yeah, well they 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 were trying to like. Do the whole cowboy bit. I was oh, like, really? I was like, okay. And they were like, yeah, we're from New York. I was like, all right, well, cool. I don't know. Anyways, here's one for the not cowboys and yeah, played right. the song. And uh, everyone else but those two really dug and got the jokes and loved the song. And of all people, these fake cowboys from New York Weren't were it. offended. Were they? Didn't like the song. Yeah. Walked out like halfway through it. Went yeah, out back well, to smoke I mean, a cigarette. It, yeah. It, I talked about them. Yeah. And uh, sure enough. <laughs> Sorry, bud. I was, and they didn't, I didn't see them for the yeah. rest of the gig. I, I, like that, I played that song maybe an hour in to a three-hour set and never saw them again until I was loading up the truck to go back home. And they had already, apparently they had found more to drink. And uh, they weren't necessarily taller guys. Shout out to our short kings out there. But uh, Are you short? No. Oh. I, I don't know. I don't guess so. <laughs> I don't know. I think I, I always like to tell people, I, God knew that if he made me exactly six foot taller, six foot or six foot Whatever, I'd have been too powerful. So he cut me off at five eleven. Had to, yeah, right. So had to. Uh, very wise of him. Yeah, so we would have really had a handful. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, these dudes were all maybe five foot two, five foot three combined. I mean, just not super huge dudes, but they had the confidence of like UFC fighters. Really walking up, trying to like fired up. Yeah, they were fired up, like ready to press the issue, and like really wanted to make a stink about it. Wow! And welcome then, to Texas, yeah, cowgirl. And I and I and I, and, and, and I was and I, I and I was sitting down for the whole show, so they never saw me stand up. Yeah. And so I was hunched over, like putting something into the truck, and they tried to like, like, hey, hey, like, like, hey, cowboy or whatever they called right. me, and I turned around and stood up, and yeah, you I said, think, I'll be your huckleberry. And, and yeah, <laughs> they, they, yeah, like Johnny Ringo. <laughs> you look like somebody walked over your, your grave, grave. Right? something like that. And I think they realized pretty quick. They're like, oh, this is. They, not. I think they remembered. Oh, we're not. Yeah, we're not cowboys. We freaking New York. We, yeah, we're not. Nothing against people from New York. No, I love New York. And there's probably some super cowboy people in New York. I, I, Guarantee, like, not these old, not not these guys. No, as a what was it in the first episode? These were cowboys, or yeah, yeah. No, these were not cowboys. They were not cowboys. They're so, not cowboys. but uh, they are cowboys, cow, cow, cowboys, like with a yeah. Z. Yeah, uh, man, I don't even care if somebody like I can appreciate the effort. Like, you yeah, want to wear a cowboy hat and do all that. That's cool. Yeah, they just oh man, but I mean, yeah. But I mean, in a town like Throckmorton, where there were real yeah, dude, there were real cowboys in that bar that night. Yeah. Like, yes, and you could tell they were just looking at them like, what, what, what are we doing? What are y'all doing, guys? <laughs> like, of course they weren't gonna say nothing, but it was just you know, let them be type of deal. Totally. And but got out of there unscathed. Right. But uh, I always try and tell that story when I play "Ain't No Cowboy" about the yeah. upstate New Yorkers. Yeah, heck yeah, dude. But well, so. You got a bunch of shows coming up at all, or 
Sort of, kind of. Man. You you usually list them out, like, on your website? Yeah, just about every month on my socials. I kind of put them out month by month. But, uh, goodness me. I guess the biggest thing is just Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. It's all on there. I lose track. I always know where I'm at until someone asks me. And I'm like, well, let me go to the phone real quick. It does all the remembering for me. But, uh, uh, I've kind of slowed down a little bit in November, taking some time out to go deer hunt a little bit on the weekends. So... Uh, pick it back up. Yeah, come like late November, December, get it back rolling. But heck yeah, well, yeah, we'll be around come October, November. I'm usually always around the North Texas, Stephenville, edge of the hill country area, wherever I'm at. So yeah, dude, Lubbock sometimes. Yeah, but yeah, well, cool. Well, thanks for coming and doing this. Yeah, brother, thank you for having I'm me. Glad this I got to a, get to know you a little bit better. It's a blast, dude. Even if it was on camera. There you go. You know. <laughs> So thanks, man. I appreciate it. No worries, bro. All right, we'll see y'all. Adios. my